This is Shifting Air Schools episode 73. The future belongs to YouTube and spreadsheets. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome, everybody, to another Shifting Our Schools podcast. I am joined today by the amazing Patrick Green. So excited to have you here. Hey. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you back in Washington State. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, It's been great. I got to work with Patrick side by side with Patrick for a week uh, in the Everett School District while we were doing some uh, consulting there together. Uh, And right after this, we actually have to plan our next training together. So I'm so excited about that. But uh, why don't we take some time, first of all, to introduce you to everybody at Shifting Our Schools. We have about 3.2 million subscribers. Wow. Or, or like, or like two, <laughs> somewhere between, between 3.2 and two is the real number. I just like to try to keep it somewhere between there. So, um, but, uh, give us a little bit of your background, Patrick. I, I love hearing your story of small town of Cashmere, Washington to back to small town, Cashmere, Washington and everything in between. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my family's on a bit of a journey this year. We, um, my my wife is an educator as well, and um, I'm from educators. Both my parents uh, taught in Kashmir, Washington, forever, and go Bulldogs. And uh, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, also taught in Kashmir. And um, I uh, went to Western Washington University and ended up going uh, teaching overseas after teaching in Blaine, Washington, for a couple of years. And um, had my wife and I had a son overseas, Oscar, and we recently after 14 years were, were thinking a number of things. We were, we were thinking we have this eight year old who's never lived in the U S um, we were thinking about new challenges. We were also really thinking a lot about personalized learning. We're working at Singapore American school last year and for the previous, um, well, 12 of the last 14 years and Singapore American school is doing a lot of work around personalizing learning. And I got to be um, in the heart of that work, which was great um, in, on a number of levels. One at the um, kind of the big picture level where we were actually defining what is personalized learning? What does it mean for us at Singapore American school? Um, what would it look like in second grade? What does it look like in high school? Um, but I also was, working closely with teachers who were already doing it. I had a great experience with an um, advanced placement economics teacher who basically shifted his classroom from 100% lecture to 0% lecture and 100% student-driven um, self-paced learning. And, you know, this is a, this is a fantastic teacher who happens to be a good lecturer but realized I've got 24 kids in my classroom. There's no way they're all on the same page on the same day, needing the exact same thing that I'm saying to them all at the same time. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to stop doing that (laughs) because I don't know how many kids are looking back at me going, yeah, I already know that. And how many kids are looking back at me going, I have no idea what he's talking about because I didn't learn yesterday. Um, So, so he totally made this shift, right. And watching him do this was amazing at someone, in the second half of their career. 
Yeah. Um, so I was working a lot on personalized learning. We were talking a lot about it as a family as well, because my wife um, is also a teacher talking about that. And of course, we have an eight-year-old who we're watching be a learner. And we thought, well, what if we, <laughs> what if we did our own little experiment here and really just personalized Oscar's learning for him by not putting him in school for a year? And, and let's also not go to school for a year and kind of do our own personalized learning journey. So, um, yeah, so we moved back to Kashmir in June and, uh, we, um, I have really generous parents who are letting us live in a, in a little, uh, bungalow right now. And, um, we are, we are trying to craft Oscar's days around his questions. So I, I, I tell the story, one of the, the, when it really kind of hit me, um, was like three days in a row, I'd be driving to school in Singapore and Oscar would ask me a question and I'd say that's a great question when we get home tonight let's help you to answer that right okay. I didn't want to give him the answer right. or in some cases I didn't know the answer right like yeah he asked, <laughs> you know there's all these air air conditioning units hanging outside the, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Singapore and he's like you know how do, how do those work and I'm like let well how do you think we should figure that out <laughs> right? which is a great inquiry thing right, right like not, yeah, not answering the question but asking him how he thinks we can figure it out so um really three days in a row like that happened over and over again and i was like we're not we're not getting to these questions we get home and we're not mm -hmm. having time to, to help him answer his questions and so we need to change that so anyway uh my wife and I had been talking for years about kind of a year of adventure. And so we are on a year of adventure that cool. also happens to be our year of personalized learning. Um, so actually I'm coming to you from Mexico right now. Awesome. Um, we are, we've been down here for two weeks and we've got another almost two weeks to go. We're going to move to, we're on the tip of the Baja right now. We're going to move over to uh, Guadalajara uh lake chapala more inland uh, a little more culture we've seen day of the dead so mm -hmm. instead of halloween we did dia de los muertos and um my son's been practicing in spanish with all the waiters Very and cool. uh yeah we're, we're having a great time that's so cool and how do you feel like it's going because he he would be like if he was in school he's a he'd be a second grader third yeah he'd be third in third grade, grade. Third grade. Okay. um and so you know some of the things are focused around his questions, right? So that's where some really cool learning's happening. But but we also know that there's math that yeah. you know you need to keep up with. And yeah. um, so so that's been really interesting for me um, because we're having to form more of a partnership. So yeah. so we're calling it hack schooling rather than homeschooling. I love that. Because we want to do it differently because yeah. when, when people say, oh you're homeschooling, that means Oh, I think I have an idea of what you're doing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I want to say, no, you don't. You don't. It's it's different than whatever yeah. you think. So we're calling it hack schooling, and you know we're having conversations with him about like, listen, buddy, you you need to own this. Yeah. Like me telling you to memorize your multiplication tables is not getting us anywhere. Right. Um. And then having that conversation, why do, why should you have to know your multiplication? Yeah. And why actually, is it important to know them? Yes. In the last three days, we've had this huge, he has had this huge aha 
Um, and one of my jobs as the facilitator, the coach, right. the guide on the side, whatever, is to help him articulate that and really like hold on to those meaningful moments um, yeah. and being able be able to articulate them. So this this multiplication thing was we were we were getting into some division, right? Yeah. And like he's learning to to do a raise. If if he, if he needs to like figure out seven times seven, uh, he he can draw seven rows. Yeah. And seven columns yeah. of circles, right? And yeah. then count it all up. Okay, well, that takes forever. Yeah. So we did that. And then his, and the next question was nine times nine. Well, he knew that one. It, 81, right? So yeah. he's like, well, that took me two seconds. And the other one <laughs> versus counting five minutes to like draw it all out. He's like, dad, this is why I need to know it. Because oh, shocker, kid. Once I have these, like I can actually do. And for him, it was like, so we can actually shrink school from eight hours to four hours by schooling. But he's like, I think I could, I think I could shrink it even more, Dad, if I knew my multiplication table. <laughs> yeah, and that would give you more time to make stop motion claymation videos, which is yeah, what he's exactly. doing right now with his spare time, right? So yeah. he, has, he gets to choose what he wants to do. And so right now he's making stop motion videos. But <laughs> that's great, yeah. though. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting. Um, but I wonder, like that to me is a perfect example of when I ask teachers, why should kids have to learn multiplication tables? I don't think we take the time to have that realization for kids. No, and, and, and how difficult is it to do that for 24 different students who are right. going to need that realization at a different time? Because we don't yeah. all learn at the same time on the right. same day. So you, even though you may have had your day of here, here's the day I'm going to explain to everyone why we're going to memorize yeah. our multiplication. Like, well, half the kids aren't listening and half the kids yeah, didn't. Exactly. Half the kids had an argument with mom before they left this right. to school. You know, you've, you've got issues. So um, I totally get how fortunate I am this year to be able to have these conversations with him. And yeah. because I'm the teacher and the dad, I do yeah. get to, like, take advantage of dinner at, you know, the Mexican restaurant we were at tonight to, to, to be like, Ooh, did you see that multiplication grandpa just did? Yeah. Right. Because he was needing to pay the bill and yeah. or figure out the tip or, yeah. you know, whatever it was. Um, so, so because we're talking about learning more because we get to be together all day. Yeah. Um, we're able to have this conversation. So I get that I'm, it's totally a fortunate situation, but that's what I wanted to do. That's what we wanted. We wanted to have more real learning conversations. Yeah. Um, th because this is absolutely a year of learning for us. It's not a year of vacation. Yeah. Um, and so we're having these conversations with Oscar about being a learner and being inquisitive and being observant. Um, and it's pretty exhilarating. I mean, it is, it is helping me to remember why I got into education. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your transition back to the States? You and I both spent a fair amount of time internationally. Um, and we're both back here. I know you've worked with some school districts around Washington State and we're working together with some school districts around Washington state. And I know you've done some other things around outside of Washington state, like across the U S and not just this year. I know you've been back here a couple of times, but where do you see 
where do you see the U.S. at right now? Like, where do you see struggles? Where do you see things that you're like, yeah, we're on the right path there? And I'm sorry, I know we didn't prep for this and I'm just throwing this stuff at you, but this is what I love about podcasting is I can just say stuff and you're looking at me like, you did, we didn't talk about this, but I'm just like, I just wonder, like. You know, I think there's some exciting things. Um, I, you know, I know that you follow closely Washington schools that pass their levies and, and start putting yeah. you know, uh, devices in the hands of students. Um, and I think, to, you know, I've only been home for a little bit now, but seeing schools do that, um, I never, I, I mean, I'm someone who, as you are, we've rolled out laptop programs and part of that is figuring out how we're going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and so to see communities come together and say, we're going to pay for this, yeah. right? Like this is important to our kids. This is important. Yeah. Um, we want, uh, and I don't know that everyone has the same, um, like the why. I don't know that everyone has right. their why. Yeah. Um, I have my why. Right. And so for me, just to see that people have a why and that a community is coming together to, to say, we want powerful devices in the hands of our, our kids. Um, to me, there's a, there's a real there must be a real big movement past the fear movement yeah. um, that's allowing us to sit. Cause you know, everyone's going to throw up the roadblocks of like, well, they're just going to be on YouTube all day right. yeah. um, or whatever they're going to say. They're just going to game the whole time because they're addicted. Whatever those, you know, yeah. all that fearful stuff that you see people reposting on Facebook. Um, but the truth is that these communities and schools are getting to the point where it's like, no, the real world, is a connected world and we need our schools to prepare our students for the real world. Yeah. Uh, so that's a cool thing to be seen happening yeah. in places that I thought maybe could never figure out their budget to be able to. Yeah, do. exactly. And I, I agree with you. Like to me, that's, you know, that's the incredible thing. And the thing I love to your point is, you know, I see a school district of 25,000 kids and I see a school district of 3000 kids and they're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're all making it work right? They're finding a way to say like, this is important. And I believe it is like, I, one of the things I keep saying is like, you realize the internet is over 20 years old. It's not a fad. It's not going away. Right. Like at some point you have to accept that it's here. And I'm hoping that we're getting to a point where we're saying, yeah, this is important. You know, the other thing that I'm liking is for better or for worse, I like using going one-to-one -to, -one to have larger more deeper pedagogical switches in education. Mm. The kind of inquiry stuff you're doing with your son is that stuff can come to school and we need something that is going to prompt that conversation. And for better or for worse, if going one-to-one -one is the catalyst to have a conversation around what mm. do we mean when we're talking about teaching and learning in 2018, I will, I will, I will play that fiddle all the way yeah. to the orchestra. You're, You're going to harness like, that. I just, yeah. I love that idea. Love that. Like, cause I, we, you know, we both, both of us, we don't talk about, I mean, it's about a little bit about the tech, but it's more about like the changes in the questions that you can ask and the way that you can frame ideas and, and the depth of which you can get kids to go. That's the change. Yeah. I, um, just allows it. Yes. And I, and I'm thinking, you know, I was talking about personalization a while back and, like 
that this is the tool that would allow it to happen with yeah. 24 kids in a classroom or 28 kids in a, in a classroom, right? Yeah. Like so much of what we have built in school as a structure is to facilitate a bunch of people learning the same thing at the same time because there's only one teacher. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we got to, you know, get kids out at a certain time. So um, the fact that now the world is your classroom because you have this device that actually can access everything out there, yeah. including experts, including other classrooms, um, including foreign countries, including other cultures. Um, and I mean, I think this is the other power of the device is that kids can do things we don't even know that they can do. Yeah. Like, like they can show us their understanding using a, and then you name it, right? Like, yeah. you know, whatever it, the kids making, okay. So a kid likes Minecraft. So they, they show me their understanding by using Minecraft. Like, I know that's kind of like, well, wow, that's kind of crazy. Who, who would ever do that? But actually a kid could like, yeah. like, uh, first graders can model in a 3d world. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we couldn't do that growing up. We didn't have the devices that would allow it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that there's power in just letting kids play too and, and yeah. figure out like how to use this device to better communicate or to better understand. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the personalization piece is so, so big there. Yeah. I think the other thing, and we started talking about this before I pressed the record button. So I want to make sure we get this on the spreadsheet or on the spreadsheet. Did you see that? I slipped already. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I want to get this on the podcast is it's becoming more and more clear. And we both have our stories. And I'd like you to share your story as well. Um, but like, I want to title this podcast, like spreadsheets are the king of the future. Cause I am finding, I am finding a lack of knowledge within teacher prep programs within teacher knowledge around the use of spreadsheets um, and across content areas. Cause I think they can be used in every content area in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And yet when I'm talking to the business world, it's the, like the number one skill the businesses are looking for yeah. people that can visualize data or tell the story of the data. That's something I'm big in with kids. It's like, it's one thing to do the math. It's another thing to tell the story of what do those numbers mean? That's what, that's what companies are looking for. You know, to say that we've got 20% more people buying our product. Okay. But what's the story? Right. What, what is behind the 20% mark? Right. And there's a story there and it just, there's so much to do with data. And I think spreadsheets is such a skill that is lacking in schools. And I say that just through my experience over the last, uh, I've been home now since 2012 um, full-time consulting here in America and around uh, around the world, but just there's just a lack in understanding of spreadsheet skills and the importance of them outside of education. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Like, well, just, you know, I think I feel like the whole spreadsheet thing. Um, first of all, like it used to be coding, right? Yeah. Like it used to be up there with like building a computer. Like you can use a spreadsheet. Like why would you even do that? Because you can build a table in Word. Yeah. You know, like, well, there's a huge difference, right? Yeah. Um, and, but I, I, to me, this is like pe people might say that, um, well, you know, I don't, we don't need computers in every classroom because, you know, not every job out there is a, um, 
is a computer job. Well, yeah. I think pe- people think that's like, right, not everybody is building a rocket ship right. or, or an app, right? But we, yeah. like, that's what technology has come a long way. We use it for our day-to-day things like grocery shopping. Yeah, budgeting. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's, there's all this stuff that like, it's all digital now. So spreadsheets are a way to view information that we all have access to. Like, that's the thing. Like, we, yeah. we have spreadsheets on phones now. Yeah. Like, it's not this foreign thing anymore. We, yeah. we can have them on our phones and our iPads and our, our laptops. And so, so the, one of the things that, you and I had started talking about um, earlier was, so, so John Mick and I do some work with um, principals in the summer. And, and, and one of our jobs to, to, to get principals to really be thinking about what is the future of school. Yeah. And so two people we brought in this year as guest speakers were um, uh, one, one was an entrepreneur and the other was a younger sort of startup kid just out, like didn't go to college. Yeah. Um, and we just wanted th- them to kind of talk about their schooling and then what are they looking for in hiring people in those fields that, you know, as teachers, most of us don't really get because yeah. we're not entrepreneurs. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah, we, right. we're, we go to school every day. We, you know, report at a certain time, we clock out at a certain time. Yeah. And, um, so we wanted to bring in this outside world. Well, anyway, both of them talked about the things they're looking for. And they were talking about like grit and perseverance and problem solving. But then they both go like, and spreadsheets. <laughs> you know, it's like all these character traits yeah. and spreadsheets. Like, yeah. because both of them were like, nobody knows how to use a spreadsheet. Yeah, and you team. need to, because... Yeah. Because with data today, we have access to it all. And so the ability to read the data is huge, uh, mm. especially when, and they were explaining this, when, when a startup is so lean that, you know, the, the guy you just hired to run the website is also going to, you know, do the dishes and take out the trash. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because, you know, there's only two of you working in the office. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, if, he, if, if, if you have spreadsheet skills, you are so important to the company. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so it, was, it, it was just interesting that they were like, and spreadsheets. Yeah. Like it's this overlooked. Um, and I think it is overlooked. I think there is a lack of knowledge. I'll say it. I think there's a lack of knowledge, spreadsheet knowledge within the educational system. And I think we need to do something about it. So it starts with this podcast. Everybody listening to this podcast, go and do one thing with students about spreadsheets or learn something about spreadsheets. But Jeff, what about the people? I don't know if you've heard of it, Patrick. There's a really cool website. It's called, oh, I can't remember, YouTube. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) There's like all these videos of people showing you all these different formulas. And even today we were, I was with a a group of math teachers today and they were like, well, you know, what's, how can I get the formula down to simplest form? And I did the Patrick green thing. I showed them the shrug, right? Like I was just like, and if you don't know the shrug, you got to look it up. And and they're looking at me. They're like, you're doing this on purpose. I was like, no, I really don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. The equation for finding the simplest form of a ratio. Like I literally, but you can Google it. Like it's there. Like you want to build that spreadsheet, go build that spreadsheet. Yeah. I was going to say to you, what do you, what do you say to the people who are listening and say, yeah, but spreadsheets aren't in my curriculum that I teach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're in every curriculum. Like find me a place that spreadsheets don't like there's so much I'm thinking like right now, like we're recording this on election day. 
And I was sharing to the group today, it was because you were talking about that I follow Washington State very closely. Last February, you want to talk about geeking out. Last February, I was able to pull live data off of the Washington State election website and was pulling it real time into my own spreadsheet and it was updating in real time in my Google Sheet. And I was able to play with the numbers and filter out what school districts were passing levies in real time. Because you can do that. <laughs> yes, you can. You know what I mean? Like With the device and the internet. And so I'm just looking at like, if you're in social studies, there's all of this population data that you can dig into and tell the story of population data or traffic data or population movement. What cities are growing? What cities are shrinking? Math is like every equation should be done in, at least been shown to students inside a spreadsheet. Like we were talking today, like the order of operations, the order of operations is something you make kids memorize. But in a spreadsheet, it's like real. No, right. Like, like, why do I need to know this? Yeah. Because you need to use a spreadsheet. Oh, because Gen Z. Oh, I was just looking at these Gen Z since you and I spent last week kind of talking about that. Um, There's like, I I need to look up the numbers, but it's something like 71% of Gen Z wants their hobby to become uh, their job. And over 60% of them uh, want to be, want to be their own boss. And it's like, okay, so we schools need to be teaching them the stuff that will help them to run their own business. Like that's their world. The number one job, the number one job of the future is a consultant. And so you need to know how to run your own business. You need to know how you're going to make money running your own business. Like we know that the jobs are different, but the thing that's been overlooked and the data shows that in part of it is this generation that they want to be their own business owners. They want to be their own boss but you're also looking at companies who would rather hire somebody short term and is seeing a better, for lack of a better term, work ethic. When I hire you as a consultant to come in because it's your business on the line, do better work than if I actually employ you. Mm. And so the number one job, like in all the jobs, right, whether it's engineering, marketing, uh, coding, it doesn't matter. It's you running that business and I will hire you for a short term to do the project I need you to do, or I'll hire you long term, but you're a consultant for the company. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hire you as an employee. All right? So those two things, like that, I'm glad you've said that because that to me, that is matching up with other research yeah. that I've been reading about jobs of the future. They wanna be their own boss, mm-hmm. they wanna set their own limits, but you're right. That means you need to know how to run this stuff if that is Absolutely. your job. You need to budget for your new yeah. company or your new product or, or whatever, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. yeah, you gotta know what it is. All right, so I want to finish this up by talking about your amazing new book, 50 Ways to Use, I can't remember the name of the website, oh, YouTube <laughs> in the classroom. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about the book, and we're going to make sure there's a link so people can run out and buy it. You need to go over to YouTube, and you need to follow Patrick Green on YouTube so he can get his subscriber count up. YouTube.com slash P Green Soup. Yeah. Um, so the book, uh, 50 Ways to Use YouTube in the Classroom, it was really kind of just a little fun Saturday morning side project um, because, you know, schools have this, this struggle with YouTube, right? Like, like it's like yeah. all kids do is watch YouTube. Like, you, I, like part of the work I know you and I have done in schools is like working with parents, helping them to kind of 
you know, get some better parenting strategies, yeah. but also to, to understand their kids and, yeah. and talk with their kids and, and develop trust and all of that. Um, but one of the big complaints is always that, well, they're just wasting time on YouTube. Yeah. But when you get down to like, well, what are they doing on YouTube? Well, they're watching each other, you know, play games. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. This is like someone who's then like, oh, and I got to run home because it's Monday night football. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we watch people play games and, and our, our kids do watch each other uh, play games, but they're, they're doing it because they, it's a, a game is a puzzle and they want to be able to solve that puzzle and they want to yeah. do the puzzle faster. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, and people do wa- uh, waste time watching media sure since tv we've been doing that that, that does happen but um i don't want to downplay that anyway i i i was just dealing with so many people kind of like ripping on youtube and it's like at the same time all of these statistics are coming out about how much learning is happening on youtube yeah um and and a more recent statistic is that there's over one billion hits a day on learning related content on youtube wow which is crazy. Like it, yeah. it's absolutely crazy. But, um, but, but you ask anyone like, what have you learned on YouTube? And, and you know this to be true. Like everyone's learned something. Everyone's yeah. figured out something they needed to know. Yeah. And, and, and you've got people who are going to say like, yeah, but it wasn't the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. Well, well actually it was <laughs> Yeah. You <just> <laughs> for, for many people that might be how they learned that, but, yeah. but it was also how to fix your car and whatever. Yeah. So, Here's what I knew. I knew that I knew that there's a lot of good videos on YouTube, and I knew that people are like, "Well, yeah, I can use YouTube. I'll, I, I can show a video." Um, and so it, it kind of became this challenge to myself, like, "Yeah, but are there are there more ways to use media?" And and, and so the book really is about like, um, for one, like multiple ways to use media with with this media generation right yeah. so hooking them into a lesson um and i've heard you talk about this too like this is a generation who needs you know a 10 minute snippet and then a three minute commercial or whatever yeah. right and, yeah. and 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 they're moving and, and good teachers organize their classroom in a way where there are appropriate transitions at appropriate times and and, and kids wouldn't be sitting listening to someone talk for right. um so of course there's different ways to use uh media but youtube also is pretty awesome in in that it's free yeah. uh it's unlimited storage yeah um, and, and so i started thinking well can i come up with a bunch of ways that really a teacher would use this and so there's a section on also you know creating your your channel um uh using you as an lms right like yeah oh how cool is that you know google classroom's really great now but like having a, a video channel that like kids could go to and be like, here's what the classroom's about teacher explaining the syllabus, like post. I mean, if you're a screencaster and you're building content uh, that your students can access anytime, anywhere, because not all students learn at the same time at the same yeah. pace. Yeah. Some kids might need to watch the video again. Like, yeah. like the modern teacher creates these resources for students. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a part on, um, you know, a teacher who wants to kind of get going with their channel, but there's also lots of just like, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science, like turn the webcam on and let the kids practice the presentation on YouTube, Yeah, recording it free, storing it there and submit you the link and whether or not you watch their rough draft of their presentation, <laughs> like it doesn't, 
Yeah, because that's, cause that's not where the learning occurred. Exactly. The learning occurred in them watching their it, it, own right. And so, you know, I, I, I have worked with a teacher who um, had assigned that before presentations, you had to record yourself giving your presentation to mom and dad. Like, don't just do it for mom and dad. Record yourself doing it. So that, um, and then they'd submit that link. And then if, if, if a student, you know, wanted to talk about their grade, yeah. the teacher could say, well, why don't you go watch the video that you recorded the night before and, and tell me what, what you saw there that you could improve. And then we'll talk about what I saw in your performance in class. Yeah. Right. And so students being able to self-assess and, um, and, and see themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, I worked with the, a drama teacher who would have, who would record the kids, you know, uh, doing their um, improv stuff. And then they would have to analyze themselves, right? Like video is just so powerful. Yeah. Um, and so really the book is about using video uh, with, in, in education. Uh, but, but because YouTube is free and easy and connected to Google accounts yeah. and, and the kids are already there. They already right? know it. Right, like you don't have to convince them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To go to YouTube. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, I want to teach you this new tool. It's called oh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just kind of like how many ways. So, so really, there's like 77 ways in the book to use YouTube. Wow. Uh, in school. Overachiever. But that just seemed like a weird title. So... <laughs> 50 ways just seem to be a little bit better. Anyway, it's kind of fun. Um, and, and the idea is that, yes, we all know how to push play and, and, and watch a video, but there's lots of ways that you can use video to archive student work, to get students to reflect, yeah. um, to, to essentially make a, a duplicate of yourself, to be in multiple places at yeah. multiple times. Um, I, I was working with a guitar teacher in Prague and like, we basically came to realize like he's got different learners in his class at different levels. And so yeah. he was, he was, he broke them up into the hallway group and the in classroom group and he would video teach one group yeah. one day and he'd be inside his classroom in person teaching the other. And he just kept swapping who was getting the video and who's getting the live. And like, yes, everyone saw him less, yeah. but when they saw him, they saw it was more targeted to their needs. Yeah. Anyway, so there's, there's lots of just yeah. ideas like that. And of course, you know, like this in the um, um, school district I'm working with today, you'll love this one. Um, so there's one math teacher who makes YouTube videos, but because, you know, she works with a team, there's no sense everybody making the YouTube videos. So she makes the YouTube videos and the team then up, uh, loads them into Edpuzzle. And I'll put links yes. to all these things in the slideshow. Yes. Right? Yes. And so the kids are watching the videos at home or in class, like if they need refreshers or whatever they're going through. <laughs> but it's only one teacher making the videos. And she doesn't have her face. She's like got a, a pad that she's writing them out on, but it's her mm -hmm. voice, mm -hmm. right? I'm going through it. Well, the other day, the other teacher was gone. And so she was over covering the other teacher's class. And she walks in the class and she starts talking and one of the kids in class goes, you're the Ed Puzzle lady. <laughs> and she's like, why, yes, I am. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I listen to you all the – and, like, she was famous to the class so because funny. they didn't realize she was the teacher across the hall. Next they just door. know her as the voice of the Ed Puzzle videos. <laughs> yes. She's like, yes, I've come all the way here to be with you today. You know? 
and that's I bring, that right i love it i love it and you bring up a great point like another reason like why youtube is so great is that everything connects to it because everything yeah. has to right so you know youtube didn't build edpuzzle edpuzzle thought ooh, we've i've got an educational use for video that doesn't exist in youtube but i'm, I'm going to make sure my product uses youtube yeah um, and so there's just so much accessibility yeah yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Well, we'll make sure there's a link to everything we mentioned. Edpuzzle, if you don't know, just real quick, you can basically suck in, for lack of a better term, you suck in a YouTube video and you can actually put questions in the video and kids have to pause and answer the question before it goes on. And it collects all that data for you as a teacher. So we'll make sure that link's in the show notes. We'll make sure you can link, uh, we'll share a link to where you can buy the book, 50 slash 77 ways to use YouTube in the classroom. I'm Patrick Green. Um, also we'll put, uh, we'll put your YouTube channel so they can follow you on YouTube cause you've got amazing content there. Uh, your Twitter account is P green soup. Yeah. So P green soup. Yep. All right. So follow him on P green soup. We'll make sure all the links are there. Patrick is worth knowing he's worth having in your network. Uh, you won't be disappointed. So thank you for joining and this will not be the last time. And I'm so excited because we're going to hang up from this and then we're going to take all the stuff we just talked about in YouTube and we're going to put it into our next teacher training. And that's Yes, we are. We're doing the YouTube genre matchup. I love it. Can't all wait. Right. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Awesome being here. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.